2: Tacey, you're on weird medicine.
1: What?
3: <laughs>
2: you're on weird medicine.
1: You guys are still doing it. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Yeah, we're. Oh d-
1: shit! I thought it was four fifteen. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy.
2: <laughs> we're, you got any topics for us?
4: I did have topics, but they're
1: at home. Okay.
2: Well. Well. So. Okay. Well, thank you.
1: Okay, you're welcome. Okay. Call me later. Okay, bye.
2: bye. Yeah, they're not drinking yet. Obviously.
0: How is a private eye like the dry cleaners? They both do other people's dirty work. How did the dad justify buying a boat? There was a sale.
1: How did the meeting go between the cat and the couch?
0: Cataclosmic.
4: I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus I've got Ebola virus dripping from my
2: nose I've got the leprosy of the heart valve Exacerbating my incredible woes I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave An ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsitating shave I want a magic pill for All my ailments The health equivalent of Citizen Kane And if I don't get it now in the tablet I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane I want a requiem for my disease Sorry, pageant, Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve from the world famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show. In the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, traditional Chinese medicine provider gives me street cred with the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Uh-oh. Is your mic on hey, there? Dr. D. There hey, you Dr. are. D. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hello, And uh, we also have uh, back from uh, our sabbatical DNP Carissa. Hello, DNP Carissa. Hello. This is a show for people who never listen to a medical show on the radio or the Internet. If you've got a question, you're embarrassed to take your regular me- medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call 347-766-4323. That's 347 Poohhead. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at Dr. Scott W. M. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your healthcare provider. And please don't forget stuff.drsteve.com. Stuff.drsteve.com makes a huge difference in uh, allowing us to keep the bandwidth and all that stuff for uh, for the show, so shop at doc, stuff.drsteve.com Just click through to Amazon, and you can, or you can scroll down and see the Roadie Robotic Tuner. There you go, or the Roadie Coach, which uh, will teach you how to play a damn instrument. It's incredible. So check that out at stuff.drsteve.com Check out Doctor Scott's website at simplyherbals.net That's simplyherbals.net And uh, try our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. You get all kinds of archives of stuff that you can't get anymore and brand-new shows that have never been uh, heard anywhere else. And we did a live stream. I'm going to do another one. I'm going to start doing more live streams. I just got to get the balls to do it. I have the time. I just uh, feel like, why would anybody want to watch that? And that may be true. Maybe nobody wants to,
0: but (laughs) we'll see.
2: And then uh, if you want me to say fluid to your mama for five bucks... Go to my cameo, slash weird medicine. I can charge more and I've gotten more before. Eh, Not a whole lot more, but you know, maybe four times that. It's not a lot. I mean, there's some people on there get a thousand bucks when they do one, but uh, I just do it because I like it. So I'll say Mm. basically whatever and go to slash weird medicine. If you want Myrtle to do it, you got to do a 24 hour one because that costs more. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Somebody wanted Myrtle to do it. Uh, they said that their wife hates it, and for Christmas they wanted me to do it and do it a long time. So I even I put the the wig on and the teeth. And well, how are you doing? I hope you get you some good feels. <laughs> it was Terrible. I love it. Yeah, P. A. Lydia was here and she was dying because she'd never heard that. Yep. It just sort of happened. It's like she's like, what is happening right now? Anyway, check that out. All right. Don't forget to check out uh, Dr. Scott's website. at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. And uh, if you want to actually do something to help us out, if you go to uh, youtube.com slash at weird Medicine, or just search for Weird Medicine on YouTube and go to our playlist, there's a playlist of, vi- of um, videos on there. Just go over there before you go to bed, click play all and then turn down the sound and go to bed. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, we went from, we've got to get to 4,000 view hours. So uh, one thing I want to do is uh, some live stream mm-hmm. stuff where we get on and we can do it with StreamYard and let people call in or well, they would just click on the link and they would be on the show with us. Gotcha. And uh, I think it would be fun to do. And, um, but for us to, Uh, Be able to do anything with that YouTube channel. We've got to get 4,000 views. So, gotcha. Working on it. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. And uh, I guess I said that already. Tacy isn't here, so there will be no time of topics. Oh, boo. I know. It's. um, That means we're going to have to work harder. (laughs) It's (laughs) (laughs) Tacy. (laughs) All right. <laughs> that was really ham-handed. Um, <laughs> did, we got something in the mail. Okay. And it's pretty cool. And I've got one for each of you. Uh, it's from this company called Tennessee Hot Sauce Company. Sweet. And you all can send us stuff. Uh, TNHotsauceCo.com. It's like Tennessee Hot Sauce Company, but it's TNHotsauceCo.com. And this I have here is honey habanero. Appar- apparently, everything they have is fiery, you know, really fiery. Right on. And they have uh, suggested pairings and so I thought that was cool that they sent that. that oh, looks great. Us. So check that out. Tell them old Doc Steve, Sanji. Where are you? Maybe we can get them as a sponsor or something. But <clears throat> um, yeah, they were talking about uh, doing a uh, weird medicine. Themed hot sauce. I'll let you know mm-hmm. if they do that. A spicy. A yeah. Well, spicy I told them it's got to be fermented because I'm all about fermented <laughs> hot sauce, right? <laughs> so I made that uh, Tabasco sauce last year. Mm-hmm. It was very good. And mm-hmm. I and I read how to make Tabasco sauce because I had a million Tabasco peppers. By the way, if you've never grown a Tabasco pepper, it's one of the most delightful. Uh, plants You can plant because when those peppers come out, they're only about an inch and a half long, and they point up mm-hmm. instead of down, and they're all different colors. They'll go from green to yellow to orange to red, depending mm-hmm. on where they are, because they all mature at different rates. And it's beautiful. And uh, But if you want to make actual Tabasco hot sauce, and I went to school with one of the um, you have to ferment it. And uh, you do it in a 3% brine, and which means you just... You know, you take the water and you weigh it, and if it's 100 grams, you put three grams of water in it, or three grams of salt in it. Okay. And then you uh, put it in this brine, and that will prevent bad things from growing, but it will promote the growth of the uh, lacto, lactose um, um, lactose fermenting. Uh, uh, bacteria that are on the okay. surface, okay. and so you don 't have to add any cultures or anything they 're already there they live on the on the um, on the peppers okay and then they 'll start to grow and then ferment and then when it 's done, you run it through a food mill and then you measure the liquid that you 've got, and if the liquid is say a um, thousand uh, milliliters, you would add four hundred milliliters of uh, apple cider vinegar to it, and then you 're done now. I will pasteurize mine because I don't want bottles exploding in my. Because sometimes <laughs> they'll still be fermenting, right? Oh, jeez. The bacteria don't yeah, die when bad. you put something through a food mill. They're no. so tiny, so they don't even know anything happened. Yeah. So I uh, just stirs them up. Yeah, and they love an acidic environment yep. and stuff. So I'll just put them in a, um, uh, you know, a pan that's got just under boiling water and let it just sit there for a little bit with the lid off and you see a little foam come up to the top and you cap them and you're done. Hmm. Just kill some bacteria in there. All right. Very good. So uh, yes, thank you. Tennessee hot sauce company. Check them out. Um, I have some news about psychedelic drugs. We've talked about okay. this before. There is actually some FDA draft guidance a little bit late, probably about 50 years late. Um, I've always maintained, as much as I love Timothy Leary, uh, I think he set back uh, the um, research into psychedelic drugs by a mile. It wasn't just him, but the people who were proponents of bringing LSD and DMT and other drugs into the public sphere. and then you see all these people, you know, tripping, hey, yo, man, you know, I'm tripping balls. You see that. That's what people see, right? right, right. The politicians see that. Oh no, 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 And uh, they see Woodstock and a bunch of people rolling around and, you know, it's not mud. It's fecal matter. And, uh, you know, they're, um, well, with mud, but there was feces mixed <laughs> in with it. But, An you know, nice you mix, just see. Yes. And people go, oh, look at a bunch of dirty hell. I was one of those people. You know, I was a dirty hippie. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the politicians were mostly not dirty hippies, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Fuck this stuff! We're we're making it illegal, and you can't do research on it anymore." Mm-hmm. So when they made them Schedule One, that was it. That stifled research for the longest time. Well, now finally, we can do a little bit of research on these drugs, and we know that um, you know the uh, uh, psilocybin is effective for PTSD. It's been studied and. People who've been to war and have uh, PTSD, uh, microdosing. There's data on that uh, for uh, depression, mm-hmm. low dose, and uh, and then we've got ketamine. Mm-hmm. You know, ketamine isn't really a psychedelic, but it's in this. It's you know, it's been used as a street drug for years. You know, Special K. Special K, yeah. But uh, it I will. Re- special K. I like Special K. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it will resolve. <laughs> Uh, major refractory depression, sometimes in three days.
1: I know someone that did it.
2: Do you? Do you really? Can you? Can you talk about? It? I mean, without doxing them, obviously. And can you get closer to the microphone when you tell us? Because I am interested in hearing this.
1: Um, I, I
2: know somebody as well. So go ahead.
1: You know, I don't. I don't know the details specifically, but I know someone that quote micro dosed with psilocybin and. Had struggled with depression and mental health illness their entire life. Yeah. And after doing this... Um, they did
2: ketamine or or microdosing psilocybin?
1: Microdosing okay, yeah. psilocybin. Yeah. Um, and after doing so, it has a whole new outlook and mentation in regards to life and is living a healthy, non-depressed life. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I know somebody that... Um, had refractory depression and um, tried everything yeah. and they were talking about doing electroconvulsive therapy and they tried ketamine and it, they didn't do the S-ketamine S-ketamine is this is bravado that's the drug that's on the market right now it's about 1400 bucks a dose it's a nasal spray you do it and then you give the uh, you have to keep the patient in the uh, in your office for a couple hours because they're tripping balls when you do it a hmm. little bit it is a dissociative drug, so you kind of feel like you're out of your body for a while. Some people do. And so you don't want people driving around if they're floating up above their body, you know. So you got to keep them in the. We're seeing the streetlights drip. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what the hell was weird. Dali doing? <laughs> that, was, that was be weird. Yeah. He just was like that anyway. Yeah, I think so. And HR uh, G- HR Geiger or Geiger, the guy that you know, that did the alien. Have you ever seen his artwork as bizarre? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Biomechanical stuff. Uh, so anyway, uh, so these things can be effective we could have had them 40 years ago if it weren't for the politicians saying oh we don't want a drug that these dirty hippies like obviously it must be bad which was ridiculous <laughs> right. you know one of the things I teach my residents is I ask them after they've been in the hospital a bit if you have a drug seeker in the hospital you may know the answer well, I know DNP Carissa will know this mm-hmm. uh, what's their favorite combination of drugs in the hospital DNP Carissa
1: Mm-hmm. She's um, not paying
2: attention. <laughs> no, <that's okay. laughs> no. um, you were looking up something, I understand. Um, yeah, I would say I, a benzo I'm and a, an opiate together. Okay, well, that's, close. that's close. That's yeah. close. Okay, Tell you, she knows what it is.
1: Yeah. Do I? Yeah. I mean, I would say, who do I want to be mean or good? No, I'll well, just
2: give the right answer.
1: Hydromorphone. Oh, you and could have said Dilaudid. It's fine. <laughs> yes. yeah.
2: okay. Give thyself a bell. Dilaudid and Fenergan. That's I knew what you were doing because I, I'm I'm a bit of a stickler about using generic names on our service. But anyway, this one of the my partners will call and say, Well, this person's on Delauded and I'll go, What? I'm an asshole. Never heard of it. Yeah.
1: Asshole. Yeah, I don't know that word. And they go,
2: hydromorphone. But anyway, yes they being me. Delauded and fennergan. <laughs> that they love it. Mm. But what they're they're teaching you something. Mm. They're teaching you that it's awesome. Okay? So you can learn something from every, anybody. Sure. And you have uh, someone who is actively seeking drugs in the, in the hospital, and they tell you they want Dilaudid and Phenergan. Mm-hmm then you know that, that it's amazing, and it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can learn lots of things from people, and, and that's the problem. They could have learned something from these quote-unquote dirty hippies from the 60, except they just decided to shut everything down because that's what we did back then. Mm-hmm. So if you were a little bit outside the box, that was the end of that. So uh, we're finally coming around to this, and so that, uh, you know, there's a long way to go to get to this article. The FDA is publishing a draft guidance to outline the challenges inherent in designing psychedelic drug development programs, and provide information on how to address these challenges. So, they're actually these draft guidances are just this is how you should construct your study. It covers classic psychedelics such as psilocybin and uh, LSD that act on the brain's serotonin system, as well as enactogens and empathogens such as uh, 34 methylene methamphetamine, which is MDMA. Mm. All right? That's a good one. <laughs> we all MDMA is, uh, that's ecstasy, right? Am I wrong about that? Let no, I think see. it is. What is ecstasy? I always forget. Can somebody look that one up? I can't seem to get this up here. Sure.
1: What? I wasn't uh, paying attention. Again. Oh
2: my God! What were you looking up, though?
1: Um, I was messaging the person I yeah, know. Yeah, it is that okay. MDMA. Milosipin. It is
2: MDMA. Okay. So uh, there you go. So very interesting. Uh, thank. Thankfully, the FDA takes forever, but they eventually come around to the right. Uh, uh, to the right. Um, uh, decision. They still have an imp- and people go, oh, oh, COVID vaccine. OK, they haven't approved it yet. Right. It's not approved. That's the thing. The FDA never approved that. It is uh, authorized under emergency use and now they're reevaluating that now that the emergency is over. So mm-hmm. we'll see. And of course, uh, as I must say, uh, vaccines are f- uh, effective and uh, prevent uh, the transmission of COVID-19, because if I don't say that, I get kicked off of YouTube. (laughs) So there you go. Mm -hmm. I learned that from Jimmy Dore. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, that's number one. Um, Number two, uh, this is an... Okay, speaking of COVID-19, which we're trying to get away from, but this is interesting. uh, Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. These are SSRI uh, antidepressants like... Um, what Paxil, Zoloft, um, Pro, uh, Prozac uh, are particularly effective in blocking COVID-19 transmission. Who would have known?
1: Hmm. me because no. I'd taken SSRI and had COVID three times.
2: Yeah, well... Yeah, research showed that 27.7 percent of COVID negative patients had take at least one antidepressant. That's not within the last 90 days before they were admitted to a mental health care facility, compared to just over 16 percent of COVID 19 positive patients. So that's kind of a backass way, backwards way of determining this. But um, so this was a correlation, not a causation kind of thing. But they did look so- at. Uh, I'm sorry. A Prescription for SSRI had almost 40% reduction in the likelihood of a positive COVID-19 test. So, yeah, you can still get it.
1: I was just wondering if maybe if you took SSRI, would you not give it to other people then if you had COVID?
2: I don't know. They didn't study for that. Yeah, they didn't study that. Uh, They didn't really study anything. This is uh, what we need (laughs) is a prospective uh, trial, what they did was go back and probably everybody that was admitted to the, to the um, psychiatric ward got a COVID test. And then they went back and had historical data and said, well, okay, how many of them were taking an SSRI that had a positive COVID test and how many didn't? And it just worked out that the people that were on SSRI had lower incidence of, um, of COVID-19 when they were admitted to the psychiatric hospital. So uh, this is one of those things that just gives you a signal. It, you, can't do, you can't act on this. Right. But there's a signal there in the data that says there might be something there. So now what you have to do is a prospective placebo-controlled trial simply looking at uh, whether you can block this virus. Well, hell, I mean, it's still out there. Oh, yeah. People are still getting it. So you still could do it, but you kind of missed the boat. I mean, for God's sake, it is now 2023. This would have been nice to know in 2020 when all this shit was going down. And people were laughing at people saying, oh, we should be pulling off the shelf drugs and seeing if they work Mm -hmm. because we already have them. They're already on the market. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we do that? Right. But people were just shitting on people for doing that. And uh, it was very uh, disheartening. <clears throat> I still contend that uh, therapeutics would have ended this thing a lot faster than the vaccine did. Mm-hmm. And for the if we, for example, uh, if, if favipiravir, which just disappeared off the radar, I think it's because Fuji isn't one of the big players in the United States. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's interesting that molnupiravir, which is its first cousin, shows up in the United States, but favipiravir, which was already on the market, did not. But anyway, yeah, it's already been through phase four testing, everything for influenza, uh, not okay. for this. But um, if we had had a therapeutic like, say, Paxlovid, which reduces hospitalization by 90% in people that are at high risk for hospitalization. If we'd had that in the beginning, you get COVID, you go to your doctor, you get a prescription, and then you take it to the pharmacy. If you're at high risk and you take it, you don't die. You don't go to the hospital. It was over. That would have been the end of it um, right in 2020. Yeah. I was pushing that. OK, so we shut down in April by June. If you go back to the sit reps that I did back then, I was talking about favipiravir in June and saying then this way before the, the vaccine was a twinkle in anybody's eye. If we have a therapeutic that works, it's this thing's over. Mm-hmm. But the billions and billions of dollars were put into this, you know, vaccine idea, mm-hmm. which I, I get it. Listen, I'm not anti-vaccine. Fuck that. I grew up during polio, rabies, right. Right. Uh, measles. My, I've said this on the show. One of my friends in kindergarten died, died from measles. I, we had a whole room of kids that were in wheelchairs in my school from polio. Ugh. So we don't see that anymore because vaccines are awesome. But I was this kind of virus. Uh, Where, you know, we could have therapeutics to it. Mm -hmm. We don't really have a therapeutic for measles. Right. You know, we don't have a pill that you can take for polio. No. Uh, But um, these sort of endemic viruses are a little different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have a pill for influenza it works pretty good i think it kept me out of the hospital mm-hmm. when i had it and um you know we could have had this and right. it would have been over that would have been it mm. so that's the right way to go about uh dealing with a an end you know a, a, a virus that has the potential of becoming endemic right Hopefully they'll remember that moving forward. Well, hopefully we'll, we've yeah, learned our effing lesson yeah. from this. That if we had, you know, listen, you can make mistakes, yep. as long as you learn from them. Yep. But uh, anyway, so yes. Sorry, Fava Pira, Fava don't on what happened to you. <laughs> anyway, all right. And well, I've got one more here. Any other comments from you guys on any of this? I'm just, I'm just monologuing. It's okay. You just cool. riffing, man. You just riffing. Okay, I wish G. <laughs> if, yeah, right. I wish G. Back were still here because this is the one that would get us in so much <laughs> oh, trouble. Oh, good. And he always would love that. You didn't know him, uh, DNP, Carissa. If you did know him, you would be making love to him right now. That's that's uh, what a what a magnetic personality he had. Hmm. And uh, that's him up there on the on the. Um, playing the guitar. Yeah, he, was a good, he was just a beautiful guy. Yeah. You say that about people, I can't even explain it. I, I cried more when he died than anybody else in my family <laughs> at any time. So I, I can't quite, I, I don't quite understand it, but he was just a beautiful guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of the things that he liked to do was get me in trouble with these people called the intactivists. And intactivists are activists that are opposed to circumcision. I always made – and, you know, I always – I tried to disarm them by saying, listen, my argument is you, you're doing something that's basically cosmetic for – without the kid's consent. I agree with that. And they come after me anyway because somebody on uh, uh, on Twitter asked me, what's the American Academy of Pediatrics – Position on circumcision, so I just went to the American Academy of Pediatrics website, found their white paper on circumcision, and posted the link, and that's where it started. It went on for weeks. <laughs> All downhill from there. Huh? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I've you know it's anyway, um, it's so I I approached this with some trepidation. This, this Let's order. hear it. Uh, Male circumcision may protect against HPV infection in males and females. This was a systematic review and meta-analysis published in Clinical Microbiology and Infection, not a, you know, just a rag. This is a real journal. Highlighted the protective (laughs) effect of male circumcision on the prevalence, incidence, and clearance of human papillomavirus, a lot of people don't realize that if you get HPV, your body can get rid of it. I used to have HPV on my feet. When it invades the feet, it makes these little um, uh, uh, keratotic, it's kind of a a plastic that the body can make, these keratotic wells that hurt when you walk on them, you know, to protect itself. Mm And uh, if you dig them out the right way by a podiatrist, sometimes the immune system will wake up to them and they'll go in and kill them. I don't have plantar warts on my feet anymore. So my body cleared the HPV. It can do that. And uh, Hmm. teaching the body to clear it, there are, you know, if you have genital warts, there are some immunologic uh, approaches that you can take to get rid of them. But anyway, uh, you know, HPV... I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, it's fine. What were you going to (laughs) say? I just, I am curious if the whole reason circumcision may help prevent this is because of lack of cleaning. I mean, like the virus HPV would
2: just hang around and sit there because
1: because of the foreskin.
2: Yeah, So uh, that's DNP Carissa saying that people with foreskins are nasty. That was not me. Dirty Carissa. (laughs) Not me. Not me at all. (laughs) Dirty deep. I I did not say anyone was
1: dirty. Oh,
2: yes. yes. You implied. I completely disagree with (laughs) your position on that. Wrong, I (laughs) think. All
4: right.
2: Well, let's see what they said. So (laughs) it's the most commonly sexually transmitted infection. Uh, You know, low HPV types are associated with genital warts. The high-risk HPV types are considered major causative factors for cervical cancer, penile cancer, rectal cancer, and head and neck cancer. Yuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it sucks. So, um, you know, this article starts off saying male circumcision is known to have protective effects. They're saying it, not me, against many sexually transmitted infections and sexually related conditions. So um, what they did was they did a systematic review where you take a whole bunch of, of studies and mush the data together and then see if you can get a statistically significant answer out on the other end. And uh, they looked at um, the association between male circumcision and the risk of HPV infection in males and their female sexual partners. And uh, so the study design was this. They um, looked at various scientific documentation databases and included observation and experimental studies reporting the effect of male circumcision on the prevalence, incidence, and clearance of HPV, okay? Yes. So this uh, they, they studied, they didn't study people, they studied studies. And, uh, okay, so there were 1,400 studies, um, and... 32 of those, including 25 unique study populations, were included in the systematic review and meta-analysis. So what that means is there were a bunch of studies that, that popped up when they put in HPV and foreskin or HPV and uh, and um, uh, circumcision, but only 32 of them actually had any uh, data that looked at the prevalence and incidence and stuff like gotcha. that. Um, so they... Uh, the prevalence of HPV infection among all persist- participants at baseline ranged from 8 to 70%. And 21 studies reported the association between her circumcision and HPV infection prevalence in males. According to the study estimates, circumcision significantly reduced the risk of HPV infections at both glands and shaft. Uh, the glands being the Roman war helmet. The highest protective effect of circumcision was observed at the uh, Roman war helmet. And then they say, irrespective, not a word, uh, <laughs> God, of the viral types, low risk and a high risk HPV type. So, uh, so anyway, um, in these studies, circumcision s- significantly in re- increased both the rate and risk of HPV infection clearance at the glands. That's interesting. Then they looked at females, and uh, there were a a non-significant trend reported for prevalent infections and the incidence rate of low HPV infections. So, uh, but it significantly reduced the risk of prevalent high-risk HPV infections. That's like HPV-16. That's one of the strains that causes uh, cancer. So anyway, uh, you know, they concluded that circumcision protects female partners of circumcised males, and uh, that male circumcision has a significant protective effect against prevalence, incidence, and clearance of HPV. So now, what do you do with this if you're a parent? Uh, again, you are doing what we always said was if it doesn't save lives, then it's cosmetic. Mm-hmm. If you can show that it saves lives, then it becomes more than just a cosmetic thing that you're doing. Okay. So we do lots of things to kids. Uh, we make them wear seatbelts. We, um, we um, brush their teeth. Ma- yeah, make them brush <laughs> their teeth. Yeah. And we also make them take vaccines and medications and stuff like that that they can't consent to. This does change their, um, the sensation in the end of their penis forever. And uh, some people think that it makes means that they can uh, that they can actually go longer, mm-hmm. uh, but other people say that it reduced reduces their um, sensitivity. Their sensitivity. Okay. So, as a parent, you just got to make this decision. You no nobody can make it for you. The pro circumcision people, the anti circumcision people, you just have to look and you know. One of the things that also happened in the last three years was if you did your own research on something, you were considered a kook. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yes. We want to be— Your own advocate. Intellectual. We want to research things and understand stuff, but to be told that you can't do that Mm. is uh, anti-intellectual. And I don't understand that. So uh, I guess if you say, well, people are too dumb to understand and they can be easily misled. Well, let them look at the peer-reviewed stuff. You know, our audience can read a peer-reviewed study and they understand it. Yes. The ones that have listened to us for a long time. So, uh, and they understand the difference between relative risk and uh, absolute risk and the number needed to treat and all those kinds of things. So, they understand that stuff. So, you could do your own research. So, go look at it. Do decide. And uh, if you want to leave it till the kid is 18, they do have ways that they can circumsta- uh, circumcise adults now that really aren't as horrendous as they were in the past. Sam Roberts was on the couch for two weeks. Our friend Jefferson the Shyster was playing basketball or baseball the next softball, day. Yeah,
3: softball, yeah. Softball the next day.
2: Yeah. Very next day, yep. Yep, and he even pulled his slong out and showed us the, the um, sutures. sutures and yeah. stuff. Looked pretty, you know, it was pretty meaty. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> meaty and veiny, it wasn't bad. <laughs> I miss old Jefferson. We got to get him back on here. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. Interesting. Make you... Uh, the the problem is you just have to understand the kid cannot give consent nor would they as- assent to it. When we have pediatric patients, we often tr- ask them for their assent. In other words, would you know? Would you be okay if we did this? Mm-hmm. But if they're minors, by law, only their parents or a guardian can consent for them until they turn eighteen. And it was weird when my t- kids turned eighteen. All of a sudden, I couldn't uh, refill their their medications anymore. Oh. With our app, they just dropped off the app. Hmm. I had to go back, create uh, a, a, an account for them, and then they would allow me to manage their medication on my app. Hmm. So, there's a lot of pain in the ass when your kids turn 18. <laughs> they can just come and go as they please. They don't give They're a the shit. One. I know I, I don't know. They just show up for money.
3: It, Dirty my,
2: clothes. My, yeah. The youngest uh, girlfriend is named Sam, and He's always at her house. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're just playing video games. Of course, but uh, hmm. we we always call it that. You know, say say that Beck's at Sam's Club. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh boy! You got nice. any questions from the uh, fluid family there, Doctor Scott? Not if, yet. If you don't, that's okay. Anybody have one that you did and Scott missed it? That's okay. Just go ahead and put it in there now. And if you don't know what we're talking about when we record, usually around one o'clock on Saturday Eastern Time. We are on YouTube, and you can uh, join in and ask questions and stuff like that. And like I said, in the future, we're going to be doing a live stream where you can click on a link and actually be on the show and ask the question. If you don't want your face uh, seen, you can use a puppet or you can just blank out your camera. That's totally fine, but you can ask questions live. we we'll go back to doing that. I think it's going to be fun.
0: Cool. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
2: All right, and I wish uh, Tacey were here for this. Never thought I'd say that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding.
4: again, usually I call you with questions about my nuts or farting. But today I actually have a more serious question that's concerning uh, my wife. She... Uh, for almost probably eight months has had these like bouts of vomiting where if she's brushing her teeth and then she bends over to you know spit out the toothpaste she'll get sick and uh, just lately it's felt like it's almost right where that typhoid process is in your sternum there's this pressure and then she'll just cough up acid or yeah or just mucus. There's nothing in it, so I'm thinking it might be like a hiatal hernia, or maybe the early onset of GERD, or something like sure. that. But uh, do you think seeing a GI doctor would be the best thing? I mean, she's, you know, a tough girl from the Bronx. Like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. But I'm trying to convince her to, uh, you know, check out which doctor might be appropriate. To
2: yeah. No. The. I, the reason I'm, I wish Tacy were Tacey were here is because she does this every day. Mm-hmm. She pukes every single day when she's brushing her teeth. I hear her in there, and if she's brushing her teeth, I can't speak to her. You know, if I say something, she won't answer me. If I say it again, she'll yell, "I'm brushing my teeth." It's just a nightmare for her. And uh, ten to fifteen percent of people have this hypersensitive gag reflex, mm-hmm. and uh, that doesn't only gag when they're brushing their teeth, but when they eat, sometimes when they need to take a pill or eating, like, mashed potatoes and bananas, not always. Some people just when they're brushing their teeth. And so some people will just try to brush the front teeth, and that doesn't seem to work. So I found a dentist that actually has some advice for people. And uh, uh, they say uh, just getting your mind off what you're doing so you can properly brush and get your teeth clean. You can try just walking around the home, which is hard to do because there's always – you know, that toothbrush foam coming out of your mouth, but uh, you can watch television while you're brushing, switching from a manual toothbrush to an electric toothbrush could help. Didn't for her. I got her a, one with a little tiny thin um, rod on it. You know where the to- the vibrating, the sonicating toothbrush is. Even that does it hmm. uh, spit out excess saliva that builds up more frequently And uh, even you can even read while you're brushing and see if that helps. And then they also recommend looking for a smaller brush head, or even go down to a child-sized toothbrush. And the thing that I like is um, this these water pick things. Now that you can walk around with, it's not attached to a machine anymore. It's handheld, and uh, I have a couple of those. I think Philips makes one, and. There are other ones out there. You just fill up the reservoir, and then you can floss with that thing, and it's pretty good. I've flossed before with the regular flosser and brushed my teeth, and if I ate something like nuts or something like that, um, I would use the water flosser, and obviously you see all this other shit coming out of your mouth that's in there. Hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah, but trying to distract yourself, breathing through your nose and not your open mouth, you can try those kinds of things. That's easier said than done sometimes. And uh, but if that doesn't work, and the the acid that's coming up is coming from the stomach, so she may have uh, hiatal hernia or a loose lower esophageal uh, stricture, and she you know if she's bringing up acid during brushing her teeth, she's probably doing it other times as well. Mm -hmm. So yes, a gastroenterologist would be good to see. Let them look down there, make sure everything's kosher. Sometimes they can close up that lower esophageal sphincter. There are even medications that you can take for that, like metaclopramide, um, that can increase the tone of the lower esophageal sphincter. Yeah, I would say I would, I would hope there'd be a lot more things before a, a,
3: a surgical intervention. but Well, you, well, know, you don't uh, have to, just
2: scope yeah, it and see. Right, and right. Then, yeah, and before before the, um, what what's the, what's the surgery, the... Um, fundoplication. Uh, yeah, fundoplication. Yeah, so they could yeah. do that. Yeah. A fundoplication is for people who have severe mechanical yeah. reflux, and basically what they do is they take um, a piece of the stomach and wrap it and around, tie the, around tie the, it off. the bottom of the esophagus, and just to add a little bit more um, uh Narrowing there, make it yeah. more difficult for acid to work its way up into the esophagus.
3: Sounds like she's got the gag reflex and the and the yes and the and the really irritated esophagus. too. Yep. So she's yep. probably got hyperreactive airway. Too, yep. with all vomiting that stuff up, so she may have to take, like you said, go to the GI doc just to make sure nothing goofy. Yeah, maybe some some sort of an anti acid in addition to some anti. Gag reflex kind of stuff. Yeah, and there's actually a little acupuncture point on the front of the ear you can you can press on. Really, that that will help with gag with a gag reflex. Where is it? We'll, we'll do it just we'll do it for them. Um, it? It's on the front of the ear. It's on the out, out, outside of the ear. If you go like just up above, like where if you can imagine a hearing aid coming down the loop, yes. or the, or the, the wire the coming down on the front, it's it would be right underneath there. So it's actually on the exterior. Okay, but so it, but it'll
2: stimulate kind of the vagus nerve on the top part of the ear. Yeah. Above the canal, yeah, but the- just in front of where the ear attaches, yep. on the top, on the front.
3: It's almost like if you could take the inner, the inner, the inner curve here. the... Yeah. the, the- I guess for like a a better word a spine and and you could kind of fall that to the uh oh, the yeah, out okay. outer part of the ear kind of. Yeah. But it's right there. But you can massage that and that's possible for for gag well, he'll try. We'll that do it for have... dental. He'll we'll try everything. People. Yeah, for people going to dentist to gag. <clears throat> we'll put those little needles in there before they go and they can they can really? press on and yeah. And it'll
2: last yeah. through the procedure?
3: Oh yeah, shoot you. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Oh yeah, if you put it in there hard <laughs> enough.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very interesting. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. So good luck, dude. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hey. It's Marcus from North Carolina. Hey, Marcus. Long time. Down here in Louisiana, messing up this hurricane.
4: And uh, I got pretty fucked up on Bourbon Street. Um,
2: went back to my hotel room and used my penis pump and slapped the cock ring on and used my purple headed monster. Yeah. Um, problem I have is. I fell asleep with that cock ring on Oof, and my oh. dick kind of sloughed off. Get that. Um wondering if we might have mastered that dick transplant yet. Yeah. <laughs> Could you give me a little info on that? Well, he's being hilarious, but that is an issue. Uh he had a little whiskey dick and he uh, put on a cock ring which basically restricts outflow. Mm-hmm. Blood can get in but it can't get back out. Mm-hmm. Kind of tourniqueted it, didn't he? Exactly. (laughs) And then the scenario is he fell asleep with the cock ring on. Terrible idea. And then his penis slept off. That's even worse. (laughs) I know that didn't actually happen. (laughs) Right. But these things sometimes do happen in places like nursing facilities and things like that or other places where, let's say, someone retracts someone's foreskin to clean it Mm -hmm. And then they forget to unretract it. Oh, gosh. And then the head of the penis falls off.
3: Oh, I think any part of the penis falling off is bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. <laughs> Unless it's a big
2: genital wart, and then they can fall off all they want. But yeah, um, you don't want a traumatic balanitis where your penis, the head of your penis sloughs off. Uh. And likewise, if you have enough. Um, Loss of blood supply. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're wearing a too small cock ring because you think one, the tighter the better. Well, by the way, hurts like an MF or so. Mm-hmm. Most people will not fall asleep with one. But what if you can't get it off mm-hmm. uh, because the, the penis is swollen on the uh, distal side of, you know, the, the side on the other side of the cock ring? Sure. And now it's difficult to get off. Cut it off. If you can't cut it off, go Not to the your emergency penis. room. Not your penis. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Correct. Of there course. You to be there clear. You Give thyself a bell. <laughs> <It's> Finally. <filing. laughs> yes. Don't cut off your penis. Cut off the cock <laughs> ring. <laughs> cock ring first. Yes. Yes. And, and then, That makes uh, more sense. But uh, so many of the cock rings now are really just to uh, allow a vibrator to be stuck to the top of the thing, and they don't actually restrict blood flow. They just allow you to position this vibrator thing in the right place Mm. so that when you're fully inserted, you know, the vibrator vibrates certain tingly parts. Mm. So anyway, I don't Uh, see a lot of people using the cock ring so much for erectile dysfunction anymore with the advent of things like sildenafil and the mm. PDE5 inhibitors and L-prostadil, but Uh, Cock rings are still used or, or, you know, venous outflow restrictors, penile venous outflow restrictors uh, are still used when you use a vacuum pump. Right. So the vacuum pump, you put the thing on and there's a cock ring on the end of it and you slide it over your penis. You evacuate the air. uh, Blood flows into the penis because of the negative pressure. And then you slip this, the thing off, you slip the cock ring off to keep it that way, and then you can take the pump away. And that's how that works. Mm. So those are still used. And, um, yeah, it's not a, the most fun way to get an erection and try to have intercourse with somebody. Here's a question for Dr. Scott. Oh. Yep. I've been saving. Hey, folks. Hey.
4: Got a question for that little hippy-dippy guy that used to throw a baseball around every once in a while.
2: Well, that could be me, too. I keep
4: hearing these stories and seeing things about being grounded. Not just being level, but actually taking your shoes off and walking in the grass to try to get your chi or whatever more in balance. I don't understand a lot of these things, but I do remember back as a kid, you know, after you mowed the grass, take your shoes off, and how great that felt. It just brings back happy, warm feelings. Just walking barefoot or walking in a creek, face well, sure. is there any scientific evidence to kind of show that that might be a little healthy way of balancing yourself? Thank you. Ta-ta, Not mm-hmm.
2: here, sorry.
3: <laughs> what do you think? I think so. I think there's a lot to be said about grounding and, and walking on certain surfaces. Yeah, And I think there's probably even more to it than... <clears throat> just that I think your your relativeness to the um, to sea level is going to influence it, too. Hmm. Different different electric fields.
2: Electra OK, now oh you're going right. to introduce
3: electric fields. Yeah, a thing called gravity, maybe. Gravity this, this is not an electric power, field. It's a power in the center oh of the earth. It pulls you to the center of the earth. Oh, no. Oh, hell yes. It that is. Yes. It, gravity. C- Gravity rocks is fall curvature out. of space around a massive object, but it makes a fucking apple fall from a tree onto the ground. That is
2: true. Okay, so at least at least I got that that going for me. But no, I think <laughs> <laughs> it makes clocks it makes clocks uh, run slower closer to the uh, gravitational source. And it too. makes curveballs flat <clears throat> if you're pitching in Colorado's Rocky
3: uh, oh, Stadium. That's it so interesting. Does. Sure does. Yeah, it, honestly, you know, pitchers hate to pitch in Colorado because. Anytime you hit a ball, it goes a little further because of well, the air is thinner. Well, the air is thinner, but why is the air thinner? Energetic field. Obviously. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yes, no. sure. oh, yes sir. Oh my god! No, energetic field. Yes. No. yes, yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's not. And plus, when a curveball, when the ball is spinning, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't grab and doesn't doesn't
2: curve as much because um, the, the air is thinner. Fields. Because they're That's, farther is, away from gravity. It, no, it's, it is interesting, though. Oh, I'll bet you a dollar. It, it, I'll, it, oh, look it up. I'll bet you more than that. Well, I, I,
3: the air is thinner. I agree yeah, with that. But right.
2: also, the gravitational pull does make a difference. Well, it, it is different. It's right. You're farther yeah. from the center of mass. Well that's what uh, I, I said. Okay, I got it. It's, I think that effect is negligible compared to the difference in in air density. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting though, whatever it is. Yep. It's a very small difference mm-hmm. going up a mile from sea level. Right. But it, it only a mile. Yeah. And you know if you had if you could shrink the earth down to the size of a cue ball, it would be smoother than a cue ball. It seems weird, but it's ac- actually true. <laughs> And so the, um, uh, the, you know, just going up just a mile, that elite athletes can tell the difference. Yeah, it seems. That's the interesting thing to me. Yeah. And I was up 11,000 feet at Snowbird, and uh, uh, there was this. Woman that was um, very cute and very engaging. She's like, Tee hee he, let's go up and you know go skiing with me." And it's like, "Oh yeah, I'll go skiing with you." Sucker. So I go up there, and then she just goes, "See you at the bottom, and she takes off." Now I was a decent skier in Michigan. Oh my god! I mean, I raced in Michigan. I wasn't used to powder at all. We never had that, and oh. I got stuck in like four feet. Well, I could. It must have been like three feet, but three feet. I was up to my waist. And a little bit more in powder, not moving. And I said, I'm just gonna die. Because I was at 11,000 feet. Couldn't breathe. Having difficulty breathing. And um, what I did though was I just laid down on the snow and rolled up, so I got kind of on top of it, mm-hmm. and then just sort of scooted down till I got to part of the mountain where I could actually ski. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really thought for a minute there, this is it. I just I can't move. It's a terrible feeling. It is. Aye, aye, it was aye. weird too when you'd uh, get out of the shower. You barely had to dry off because the you you know the um, <clears throat> water can't stay on your skin. It's just so volatile. At those uh, at those altitudes, yeah, I don't do heights. I get really
3: sick. Do you? Oh my god! There's gosh, medication I mean. you can take. Yeah, there is. But yeah. I am. Um, I uh, acetazolamide, but, my friend. But I, but uh, so going back to the most important okay, question: the barefoot. The day, thing. Yes, walking. So uh, I think it's just but primal. Like
1: we did this in um, school, and I'm probably going to way misspeak, but in Ayurvedic medicine, yeah, so mm-hmm. walking barefoot was like. I mean, grounding. They called mm-hmm. it earthing or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. what, you what you're talking grab. about. Yeah, yeah. Um, Same so, thing. I mean, just feeling the energies of the earth through yeah. your feet.
3: Well, I like to, and what Stacey was, I think, talking about to the chi, what I like to do is teach people, especially with balance, balance issues, foot issues, and even a lot of stress issues, teach them what we call chi gong walking, where you just walk really slowly, mm-hmm. short steps. And you practice, you know, this, this, the art of being kind of really aware mm-hmm. of the, of each step and where you are. You breathe in, you smile.
2: Yeah. You breathe out. I think step. it's just, yeah, it's meditative yeah. in that way. Sure. And, and it is the way that our, our ancestors ambulated on their feet. We evolved in a situation where what we were walking on our feet. Qi Gong, Q I G O N G, Qi Gong walking. So yeah, and the Ayurvedics have you know the three doshas: Vata, Pitta, and Kapha, and all that kind of stuff. So, I you know if you were Kapha, that's water and earth. So maybe that's what where that those people would do better. But you know, who knows? Yeah, I think it's important. It's very interesting. I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking forward to uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he must be Vada because that's space and air. Yep. All right. You want the one from?
3: Uh, do we have time for? Yes, of course.
2: Yeah, well, let's do. Let's do. Uh, well, we have Vada. actually. Yeah, we
3: yeah we have time. Go ahead. Well, I'll make a quick uh, question. Uh, after a month on high dose antihistamines, my doctor still thinks the on and off eye swelling is allergies. And then there's a clarification. It's it's under her. um... Sorry, my screen, my screen just skipped. Okay, swelling is under her eyes and on the edges of the eye hmm. and can extend through face, sometimes with strange red line across face. Hmm. That doesn't sound like it's an allergy to me.
2: Well, you can have a thing called periorbital edema, hmm. and they get puffy eyes, and it's periorbital edema. It means around the eye, swelling. And, uh, you know, antihistamines will sometimes help, but... I I would if that really looks like an allergy, I'd try steroids for a little right, bit. It's a little stronger than yeah. I think, give you yeah. a little give you a little uh, steroid dose pack. If it goes away and then it comes back, then it probably is some sort of allergy, and I would send you to an immunologist and see what in the shit you're allergic to. Now they say uh, you know using cold compresses, cutting down salt intake, blah blah blah. But corticosteroids are the are the go to now. You got to make sure it's not periorbital cellulitis. Now, periorbital cellulitis, uh, different thing. It's an emergency. But you would know that. It doesn't come and go. Periorbital cellulitis is an infection of the tissue around the eye. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can lose your eyesight with that, but it'll always be painful, angry, red, and it will look like it's infected, not just puffy like an an inflammation from an allergy. I wish she'd send us a little picture of her the red line on their face. Yeah, they'll use uh, adrenaline you know. sometimes in, in in the emergency room if they come in, mm-hmm. they'll give them a yeah. epinephrine, just like uh, DNP Carissa would take when she had her anaphylaxis, which we talked about several times yes. ago. You know, uh, DNP Carissa, what, what would some of the other things that could possibly be going on with this person, do you think?
1: Maybe it's lupus.
2: Yeah, it could be an autoimmune which an autoimmune disorder of mm-hmm. some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is certainly an immune disorder if the, they feel that it's an allergy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay. an autumn... Just don't.
1: puffiness under the eyes, though, and then the red. There's yep. the red quote mine. Yeah,
2: that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. So people with lupus often will have a thing called a malar rash, which is uh, over the cheekbones. Right They'll on. have redness there. It looks sort of like a mask. Yep. Butterfly kind of... Yeah, kind of a butterfly. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. But uh, you do blood tests for that. So it, listen, if they've had you on high-dose steroids for a long time... is what they had. I'm sorry, Yeah. Yeah. sorry. I'm sorry yeah, I'm you, no. you get a, I'll give you a bell for credit. Give for thyself a bell. a bell. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> um, high-dose antihistamines yep. Yep. and it can and it's still there, then this bears further investigation. Right on. That's basically what we're saying. Yeah, maybe even ophthalmologists possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know ophthalmologists deal with this uh, stuff yeah, too. They have to. It's this one is one of those multidisciplinary yeah. things. It could be a bunch of different places. All right. Well, hey uh, thanks to Dr. Scott, thanks D N P Carissa. Thanks to everyone who's made the show happen over the years. Uh, Listen to our Sirius XM show on this Faction Talk channel, Sirius XM Channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. And many thanks to our listeners, particularly those in the Fluid family, including uh, Love It, Sean P., <laughs> And um, well, so oh, Stacey Deloach is in there. Hello, Stacey. DP's in there today. Yeah, well, There you go, well, Amanda. Do a whole ro- oh, and Amanda Sweet Davidson. Amanda. Yes, thank you for your continued support. I want to do the whole um Cardiff Electric roll call. Although, when we do our live stream, we will because that's become a thing. <laughs> And uh, I'm hoping Marco P193 or whoever that, that person is shows up. And Kinky Loco, of course. Uh, but <laughs> check out our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking. Get off your asses. Get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys.